Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Anthony the Bull Caruso here and we are very excited to get into the wrap-up of the A-League season for 2021-22. Yes, the first time since COVID that we've been able to celebrate a full football season getting completed. We know that the A-League has been maligned over the last couple of years for the way it is the way it has panned out in terms of how it's been run, which I guess goes in stark contrast to the quality of the football we're actually seeing on the pitch. To help me guide our way through how it went and where our take has been on the competition. We do have, once again, our chief footballing correspondent in the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Caruso. And yes, so good to finally have a full season of the A-League complete. It's been a long time coming, being that we've had such a disjointed um, life, let alone season, uh, these last few years. Thankfully, the good people over at the A-Leagues managed to get a couple of seasons uh, on the run and fully completed, which is just great to see. Your thoughts on, before we get into our our world-famous report card rating um, system, your thoughts on how the A-League has sort of gone in terms of a marketability versus a skill level over the last couple of years? Well, look, the market side of things, we could say a lot about and the changes that they made with Paramount Plus coming in and some of the decisions they made, which were, in my personal opinion, not great. But on the field, the skill is getting better. There's no doubt about it. The quality is getting better. And I think it's one of these things where you're going to just have to have to have patience with this competition until it gets strong. And we've obviously gone away from the marquee signing format, which we've obviously known the A-League to be for a very, very long time. And I think year on year the skill gets better, but they do need to address the dwindling numbers of eyes on the game itself, whether that be in person or at home. Yeah, and that's going to be something we will pick up probably in another podcast, likely from when you're back from your holidays. (laughs) That is true. But in the meantime, we've got 12 teams that we're going to cover. If we have a bit of time, Dom, we may even go through a quick run of what's happening in the Australia Cup because the northern suburbs is well represented going into the seventh round of the Australia Cup preliminary rounds for New South Wales. Yeah, heaps to to go through, that's for sure, and I'm looking forward to dissecting it. Absolutely. Well, with that, the referee is out in the middle now, and we are all set for play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight with our first team in alphabetical order. It is Adelaide United. Uh, we predicted them to finish eighth, but they ended up finishing fourth. And, Dom, you've often said that this is a team that usually runs hot one year and cold the next. Cold the next. They've done okay this year, and they've done it in a way that is not 
normally known for Adelaide United. Yeah, absolutely. I constantly make uh, comments about uh, the uh, performances of um, Adelaide United year in, year out. Apologies, I just knocked my microphone as I was trying to speak. This year, very, very impressive. Um, I think, you know, it's always safe to predict Adelaide right in the middle of the table just in case they go either way. Um, But this was a year that they were definitely on uh, the money, um, obviously led by... Uh, the likes of uh, of Craig Goodwin got to the semi-finals, which was very impressive, and were very very close from going all the way to the final. Had it not been really for a last-minute collapse in their semi-final second leg against the um, uh, the runners-up of this year's competition, Melbourne City, second best defence in this competition um, with Nick Ansel and Jacob Trapp um, providing to be pretty good uh, purchases this year. And obviously had a very, very safe pair of hands at the back in Joe Gauchi. Um And Adelaide will hope that, you know, this team can kind of stay together and, uh, you know, continue to drive towards, a, you know, a, a title. Well, you mentioned Craig Goodwin off the bat there. And what a season he had. He had to, not only with the responsibilities he had up front, but take, then taking over the captaincy from Stefan Malik after he got put, bought by... Fagiana Okayama in the J-League. He's finished with 10 goals, equal third for the Golden Boot. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he's broken a FIFA record, hasn't he? He has. He uh, got a um, Team of the Season card in FIFA Ultimate Team, rated at 93, which was the highest I think any Australian-based player has ever been in the competition outside Tim Cahill's uh, legendary icon card, which uh, he got after he retired. So as a current player, I don't think anyone's been that high. So pretty No, they cool, haven't. Um, to see that. Wow. And, and that really just shows how big a player he has become. And there are players, there are clubs after him now. Yeah, once again, people are coming calling for Craig Goodwin. Be interesting to see if he can get a bit of a better, um, more consistent start in the Socceroos squad as well, which um, Graham Arnold hasn't really done much with uh, since uh, Goodwin's sort of come into the sort of promise. The changes that are occurring this next for next year, the only ones we know of is Mohamed Toure and Yaya Dukli. Um, oh, geez. I've just realised if you put the two of them together, you end up with a certain player from Manchester City, don't you? <laughs> you do, actually, yeah. <laughs> I can hear the chants going off right now, actually. I can hear the chants and the crying of a uh, lack of birthday cake already. <laughs> They're off. The pair of them are off to Reims in France. Jacob Tratt currently unsigned. Apart from that, um, they could be well positioned for next year. I gave them a B plus. Your thoughts? I couldn't uh, agree more. I think a B plus is very fair. You could even stray towards an A, but I'm very possibly. A B plus. Yep. We then go on to Brisbane Raw, who you know, despite where they where they finished, I, I thought there were some shining lights, and it was you know again a team not known for defence, but they actually did okay there this year. No, they did. I mean, it was probably the shining light of what was a disappointing season for the Raw, who had their team somewhat stripped from the seasons uh, season prior with Robbie Fowler, and they were doing well, and they were getting back up to being one of the form teams of the competition, but fell back down the pecking order again this year. 
difficult times for football in Queensland. I just don't know if it's, you know, going all <laughs> going anywhere really at the moment. The Raw um, playing better, but, you know, season on season. But this is, a, this is a bit of a disappointing setback for them. And really that impact of losing Robbie Fowler all of a sudden takes away one of the biggest draw cards that the Brisbane Raw had in having an international superstar coaching them you lose the pull and where you need the pull more than anything else tends to be up front and it impacted them with the second worst attack in the competition. Yeah. They just didn't have anything up front, as you mentioned. And, you know, you can defend as well as you like, but unless you can put goals in the back of the net and put the pressure on your opponents to then come at you and you can play on the counter, it's just never going to work for you. And that's where it went wrong for them this year. And, They've got a lot of work to obviously change that um, in the season coming. It's it's only going to get worse because after last year with losing Riku Danzaki, who's who went back to Japan, uh, Luka Vanovic and Nikola uh, Milosudic, uh, failures in terms of signings, it's going to get worse now because Ryu Wada has returned to Sagan Tosul and the only announcement they've had so far is that Anton Milnarek has upgraded from being on loan from Sydney FC to making it a permanent move to the Raw. Uh, there, there are definitely worrying times. I gave them a D and I only, I only avoided anything worse because it was clear that the effort was there the whole way. Yeah, I agree. I think a D is fair. Um, they tried, but sometimes, you know, trying isn't good enough. We then move on to the third team in the Central Coast Mariners. And, uh, Dom, we might have to celebrate here because we actually picked one. Hey, it's uh, it's not like us to uh, get these exactly right. But uh, the Central Coast Mariners were one of them. And, uh, well, I mean, spot on how, you know, everything we said in the pre-podcast ended up being uh, what we're talking about now in the uh, in the post-podcast. Uh, a good season by the Mariners and, again, another uh, excellent showing with a with a young team. Uh, Jason Cummings uh, was awesome uh, this season. Uh, Mark Birigidi, uh next level again, goalkeeper of the year. Couldn't quite push all the way through to a, a a grand final, but again, you'd say considering where they've been the last few seasons, par last year, it's good to see some consistency come out of the Mariners squad. And what we've seen as well is that the foundation work that was laid by Alan Stagic last year has been retained and they now look competitive once again. We should mention as well, Benny Nicolo and Marco Urena scoring seven goals each. Where has this come from, the Central Coast Mariners? They've become an excitement machine this year. Yeah, I'm not too sure. But uh, as you mentioned, that groundwork that's been laid by the – previous management is obviously being taken uh, forward and it's working like a treat at the moment for the uh, the Mariners and they're a really fun team to watch and we spoke about the quality of the teams in the competition and becoming a bit more competitive and this is exactly what we're talking about is when you watch someone like the Mariners play. The, the thing that I'm worried about though with the Mariners, it's the same time, same thing every year it is they need proper investment. They, they just don't seem to have that big benefactor 
that's going to, you know, every now and then pour a little bit of money in to go get some decent players or improve their academy. And until they do this, I don't just don't think they're going to be able to compete to what they used to have when Graham Arnold was managing them all those years ago. Well, look, they're getting back to that, but they've still got some work to do. I gave them a B. Do you think I'm being a bit harsh with that, or do you think no, that is, or do you think fair. that's about right? I think B. I think B is fair. I don't think they deserve a plus. Not quite yet. No, they only finished Not fifth. Quite yet. <laughs> Yeah, true, true. We then move on to team number four. It is MacArthur FC. They were predicted to finish fourth. They finished seventh. Very unlucky. Um, and I think a little bit disappointing given they got off to an absolute flyer at the start of the year. I'm not too sure what happened with MacArthur in the end. It was a bit of a a mystery, wasn't it, really? They... Um as you mentioned, got off to a flyer. They were looking really strong and Got some good quality in there, and you know, despite losing a few players from the their debut season, they still looked pretty um, promising. And in an area in which lives and breathes football over in Macarthur, you know, an area in which was one of the big reasons why this club was brought into the A League, struggled for on field. Excuse me, struggled for you know numbers in the grandstands and struggled to perform, you know, and it's, it's it's disappointing that they haven't really hit the ground running as much as you would have liked, but there's still some work to be done and they'll, they'll get there, but they just need, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they need to touch base more with their local heritage, so to speak, um, because it, it just seems like that there's just nothing exciting about them. You know what I mean? In terms of on-field performances, yeah, look, finishing seventh is disappointing. Very close to those final places. They'll want to obviously bounce back. But, yeah, you'd, you'd put this down as a, a missed opportunity this season. And and you talk about the their inability to connect with, their, with the locals. MacArthur FC, probably one of the most inexplicable decisions we've ever seen from a football club, was when they announced that they were going to base all of their entire youth academy out of Northbridge FC, not the MacArthur Rams, which has been a long established mainstay within NPL New South Wales in men's and women's for a number of years, Northbridge FC, all the way up in the other side of the city. It's still just unfathomable, this decision, the decision that was made all those uh, months ago. And I still don't know why. (laughs) I mean, I, I have a joke with Nick Kutnyak every now and then that uh, that they should rename rename themselves the MacArthur Fairfield Bulls because Why it not? seems like every time they're playing, they're playing out of um, Sydney United, yeah. not up at Northbridge Oval. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. As for the performances, I, I look. I have to give a big shout out to, to um, Ulysses Davila. What a great signing. I mean, we saw how good he was at the Wellington Phoenix the previous year, and he's backed it up this year with seven goals. But I'll tell you what, there, there were some big names that did not perform at MacArthur FC. There was, you know, um, Anthony Federici, Anthony Gullick, James Meredith didn't have great seasons. But as you mentioned, Ulysses de Villa, brilliant uh, again, but, you know, he could only put away seven goals, right? And it's a long season. 
The announcement has already come through that they're going to lose Liam Rose. He's announced his departure for El Paso Locomotive in the MLS. But the, this this bit of news has already come out, Dom. This has got me a little bit giddy. This is exciting. I this is uber exciting. This is something that uh, I think will bring a bit of attention to the MacArthur um, club with Dwight York uh, coming on as manager which is just awesome to see. He obviously had that uh, temporary stint as the A-League uh, All-Stars coach recently when they went up against FC Barcelona, and he's now been brought on as full-time manager. How long he'll stay as full-time manager, I'm not too sure, but definitely for next season, that's exciting. It's a somewhat of a marquee signing, so to speak. And look, we've all got very fond memories of that one year that he played for Sydney FC when they went on to win the premiership in, in season one of the A-League, the excitement of having a former Manchester United striker playing. And you got to remember, he had a renaissance after that year as well, because after that season, he went on to represent Trinidad and Tobago at the FIFA World Cup. That he did. All night, I would never have thought we'd be seeing all night Dwight back in Sydney, in some way, shape, or form. Neither did I, but I'm glad that it's happened. Oh, mate. Even we, if we it are, is with the uh, MacArthur um, Rams. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Let's move on now to team number five. It is Melbourne City. We predicted them to come first and champions. Geez, we were close with this prediction. They did come first, but I don't think anyone could have seen that they would end up runners-up but they were the standard bearers for the second year in a row. Yeah, they were excellent once again. You can't fault them. An A-plus season despite the loss in the final. The best tack in the competition. They really weren't troubled by anyone throughout the year. Jamie McLaren and Matt Lecky had great seasons once again for the uh, for the City-based club. It just uh, didn't quite click for them in that grand final when they were somewhat, I don't know, out-enthused against a Western United team that really wanted it. I think that they played their grand final the week before as well, Melbourne City, when they went up against Adelaide and won it in extra time. Having a backup a week later, I just think they didn't have it in them. And you could see that Western United were fresh and ready to go. And I think that's how they got them over the line. But... You can't fault the season that the uh, Melbourne City Club had. Another standout year. Florian Berengua was immense in midfield. Connor Metcalf, Curtis Good had excellent seasons as well. And indeed, Connor Metcalf has been rewarded with a fairly decent transfer. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> on his way um, out of... Uh, Melbourne City, um, which is which is great to see. Um, you know, he's been uh, in excellent form over the last uh, few seasons and uh, gets to uh, go play his trade in uh, the second uh, division in Germany in Bundesliga 2 with uh, St. Pauli. So interesting to see whether or not he can then find himself playing in the Bundesliga in a season or two's time, but it'd be great to have another Aussie um, playing in, in Europe and trying to drive the standard of the national um, game here in, in Australia. 
We then move on to team number six, our last team before we um, do change tack just a little bit. And it is going to be Melbourne victory. We predicted an improved season from them this year to finish sixth. I don't think anyone would have predicted that they would end up finishing second in the league. <laughs> no, I don't think we did um, in the end. Uh, big season for them under Tony Popovich. He couldn't get them to a final. Once again, the uh, A-League tr- uh, trophy deceives him, but he turned them around from having what? I think it was they were last last season. Um, a couple of years ago they were, yes. Last year they were really, really poor, and then he's managed to uh, – within his first year, turn him back into a premiership heavyweight. Um, if he can stay there and, and keep this squad together, um, I think that a premiership will finally come his way. And by God, has he deserved one. Well, let's go through some of the reasons for it. And I mean, the first thing that comes off the bat, how was their defence the only team to concede less than a goal a game? It's pretty impressive, isn't it? It was outstanding performance, really. Um, it's just a shame that it failed them in that semi-final leg in the end. Um, but, you know, Popovich sides tend to be like that, right? They're stoic at the back. Not surprising being that uh, the man himself was a former centre-back, right? So they they should have every uh, reason to pride themselves on their defensive capability uh, in the end. And realistically, they were another team like Melbourne City where you couldn't really fault their season. It just fell over at the key moment. The other, the other thing to bring up that with regards to Tony Popovich, he always has a very strong spine, and this year was no different with Melbourne with Melbourne victory. Yeah, once again, um, he uh, kept uh, the scene consistent uh, with the likes of Nick Diascostino, who uh, came of age this year and scored ten goals, um, and had you know good successes. Um, uh, from 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 right at the back, um, back you know Jake Brimmer was awesome as well, and the likes of Jason Ferreira, Jason Davidson, and Josh Billy aren't they? Really just held that team together, but they just like I mentioned just didn't didn't have the legs in the end to to take them all the way. But that's the way that finals footy happens to play sometimes, and it's uh, definitely on the cards for them next season if they can keep the team together. The question is going to be what's going to be happening to next year. A couple of players um, have been uh, let go, really, when you consider really superfluous to needs. Aaron Anderson and Louis Laurie Latanzio are left unsigned. Uh, Matthew Bozanovsky will return from his loan period at Wellington Phoenix. The only thing I'm wondering about with this team is whether Tony Popovich is going to resist the urge to do what he seems to do every time he stays on for another club, which is to really, you know, toss the team around like you wouldn't believe and restart. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he'll do here. Um, he's, you know, the world's his oyster. You know, they've got a, a squad to work with. Um, he'll obviously bring in some players that he's worked with before. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, he'll need to be careful of who he brings in because, obviously, there was a delicate balance last year with his squad and he'll want to make sure that he achieves that again in the new season if he's going to want to have a push and a tilt towards another uh, chance at uh, trying to win an A-League title. I gave them an A. I think they exceeded all expectations. 
Tiny Popovich has to take a lot of the credit for it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. The other thing I wanted to raise with you, and this is going to be an interesting discussion before we do go to our break, is, I guess, connected with a way with Tony Popovich, but more so with his former teammate, I guess, in Graham Arnold. We know that the Socceroos campaign is hanging on, on a knife's edge as we speak with regards to the World Cup qualifiers. Whether we make it or not, I guess a real question has to be asked about where Tony, where um, Graham Arnold now sits as a future Socceroos coach. And then the question of who do you bring in next as a future coach for the Socceroos? There have been people suggesting that you could do a lot worse than throw Tony, Pop- then offer the job to Tony Popovich. In your opinion, is he someone that could suit a national team or do you think he is just going to be forever placed as a very strong club coach? I think he's got to be given the chance to at least prove people wrong, kind of like myself. I don't know if he's the right answer to the national squad and also a difficult job to take right now. The squad itself is lacking in world-class talent and it has been for a few years. And I think Graham Arnold has been stoic in the way that he's tried to go about things. It's been difficult when he's had, you know, his best players in Aaron Moy and Tom Rogic barely available for selection, but then has picked some, some odd players to fill in in different places for the team, especially in the game against Japan, but they needed to to win um, to qualify automatically for the World Cup, which we should uh, t- tell everybody <laughs> it, uh, it's going ahead um, by the time we've probably heard this. Um, you know, it's an important um, thing to note as well that I think Arnold has not really been very adventurous with the way that he's played football with the Socceroos. And I think Tony Popovich could be someone who might bring a, a different approach uh, to the to the squad, but maybe something a little bit more solidified. Is he the right man for the job right now? I don't think so. I'd rather the Socceroos spend some cash on a experienced coach who just knows how to get results. He may not do it pretty, but just knows how to get the job done. But let's give Arnold his chance there's still an opportunity for the Socceroos to qualify for the World Cup. Well, I mean, we could always go and, you know, say mia culpa, mia culpa, mia grandissima culpa to some manager over in Scotland who's just made a name (laughs) for himself on the international stage. But, you know, the FFA will never do that, will they? Because they don't like to admit mistakes. (laughs) No. No, never happened will never happen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break with that. And when we come back, we are going to commence with part two of our wrap of the A-League season for 2021-22. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com and all good podcast sites. By the way, we should mention as well that these podcasts are now available as well at triplehfm.com.au. There's a new one for you, Dom. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's no excuses not to listen to this podcast anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely no reason to um, not listen to it. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, 
ISC Sport and Business Plaza. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbyrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Dom Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com at triplehfm.com.au and all good podcasting sites. Anthony Bull Caruso with the spicy chorizo Dom Rizzuto as we wrap up season 2021-22 of the A-League. We've just gone through the first six teams in alphabetical order. We'll now move on to team number seven, the Novocastrians, the Newcastle Jets. We had them as the, our likely wooden spooners this year. And Dom, what went well for them this year straight off the bat? Well, they didn't come last. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but, boy, it was a close-run thing for them, wasn't it, uh, for most of the uh, <laughs> season? They were pretty poor um, throughout the year and 
really just haven't recovered since that uh, grand final that they were in a few years back. And I don't really know what the answer is for them moving forward. Um, but uh, perhaps uh, there'll be a chance for the uh, um, club to, to get better in the in the new year, but I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Well, I can tell you one thing they can do to avoid getting into similar issues ever again is to not get allow yourself to get bought by some cashed-up bogan off the back of um, mining stocks <laughs> that aren't actually there. <laughs> uh, yes, that's... Uh, that may be a smart thing to do. That might be a smart thing to do. What surprised me this year was that they, despite all the issues they had, they somehow ended up with the third best attack in the competition. And there was a particular trend of when they got on a roll. Yeah, I, it, again, didn't make much sense. I'm not sure how they managed to get away with it, but uh, they did, um, which was which was mightily impressive. Um, but uh, again, they'll... Uh, Need to do um, a bit more work still um, in the seasons to come because, uh, like I said, they uh, didn't uh, finish it the season particularly well um, and will need to obviously perform a little bit better uh, in the uh, seasons to come. Now, we know that the Novocastrians are very proud of their local teams. We've known them to be probably one of the strongest supporters, not only of the Newcastle Knights, but also of the Jets whenever times are tough. One of the few clubs that, if they're not doing that well, they still manage to get a decent crowd out. I'll tell you what, they made it difficult for themselves with the worst home record of of the competition. They lost five times at home. Yeah, I mean, we know that it's always a fortress when you go up to the Hunter, no matter what uh, competition you're playing in. And if you're not producing results up there, you're just not going to be in the right place for the big time uh, when, uh, when it matters. After their barn burn last year, um, look, a repeat look set of the cards. They, they look to be leaving most of their fringe midfielders and forwards out the door. No one have noted this stage. There doesn't look like as much stability to them. I, I, I had to sat here when trying to work out this report card. I'm going to throw it to you as well. I gave them a C plus. I gave them for not finishing. I gave them credit for not finishing last. I gave them some credit for showing some ticker and attack and plenty of ticker. It has to be said that they were willing to go forward, but there's a long way to go. Am I being generous or am I being fair? I think you're being generous. I think you're being generous. I think a C. You think a C? Yes. Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we go from a team that got a C or a C plus, depending on who you want to talk to, and a team that, we, we, we have to confirm, is the only bona fide F this <laughs> year. And I tell you what, out of every football club I've ever spoken about in any of these recordings that we've done here on Splinters, this is the one that I, I should really say to you, you should hang your heads in shame because last season you were simply an absolute disgrace, Perth glory. Yeah, and we keep saying this uh, year in, year out, that they don't really have any excuse to be bad. Like, they've got an untouched talent pool. Um, They get to play over in Perth, which, you know, is always difficult to travel to. They've got some decent quality there, and I just don't understand why they're so bad. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 then to just rub salt in the wounds, 
their marquee, they've, they've once again botched a marquee signing. We all remember the absolute circus that was William Gallus oh, when he God. came over. Oh, yes. That we thought, bad. I mean, there have been some pretty horrible marquee signings. I mean, ML Heskey ended up being a bit of a flop when he was over here, say, for a couple of games. William Gallas was downright disgraceful. He was unfit to play straight out. We thought it could not get any worse. I know. And then this year. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? I just I just don't understand why they're so bad. But um, Daniel Sturridge. That was the that that is exactly what I was about to get to. Is that has got to be the worst signing of all time, ever? Did he play a game? I don't think he played one full game. He, I think he played. He started four games. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. I mean, the man himself had so much to prove as well after his diabolical acts over in the UK. Um, but it just clearly he just came here for a quick payday. And hope for the best. And, and and the worst thing was is that he then claimed this, that, and the other in terms of not getting on the park for the first set of rounds. First off, claiming jet lag, then claiming he'd been injured on the plane, then getting stuck in um, hotel quarantine thanks to uh, Emperor Mark McGowan. <laughs> I mean, he, oh, I can get dealing with Mark McGowan. I mean, we did give him... The, we did give him a massive award in our Wood Ducks last year for being the most anti-sports person in Australia last year. But Daniel Sturridge, once you got past that, there was no excuse. No, no, no excuse at all. And uh, I think uh, everyone in the West of Australia will be glad to see him gone. Uh, t- glad to see him gone? I don't know if they were even aware that he was there. <laughs> also true. So what was expected to be one of the worst attacks, one of the best attacks, ended up being the worst attack. And, Dom, we've got a particular stat here about how bad their attack ended up this year. Well, first and second for worst attacks in history are obviously currently held by the uh, um, the New Zealand Knights from the first two seasons in the A-League. Um, which has been now beaten by the um, Perth glory. So not just the worst attack this season, but the worst attack in history. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to do have to take into consideration that the New Zealand Knights actually played less games than Perth glory did this year. (laughs) That's That's how bad it was. That's so embarrassing. It is. It is. It's absolutely disgraceful. And, and it's not like that they were lacking in, in players up front, especially considering that they still had um, Andy Keogh up front and Nick Fitzgerald. There's just no excuse. Yeah, Andy Keogh was on his way out, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot like Diego Castro and Bruno Fornaroli there. So was any, yeah. there was no excuses to not score goals. And, of course, we did. it did result in one of the two manager sackings during the course of the year, Richie Garcia showing the door. I've got to be honest, not surprised in one bit. Yeah, he didn't have a good season, did he? Um, no, absolutely not. And I'm not too sure where to next for him. Well, we know where Perth Glory are going in terms of their new manager. Their caretaker has now taken over permanently. But, Jesus, this is a big risk for them to pull Ruben Zadkovic. Well, perhaps they need something a little bit left of centre. 
you know, um, just to kind of get them back um, up with the the better teams in the competition. I think for since Popovich left and they had that uh, amazing couple of seasons with him, they just haven't had, I would say, the humility to drop back down and start again. And hopefully Zadkovic, for perfect glory's sake, can bring a bit of that humility back to the club and stabilise them a little bit. I'll tell you one thing that won't go away from them is that um, absolutely cringy chant whenever an opposition goalkeeper takes a goal kick. I don't think that's going to be going anytime soon. It'll just be a lot softer, that chant. Yes. Yeah. And F, yep. do they take the biggest fail in the history of the A-League or is that still with William Gallas? Oof. Another argument for another time. Uh, that could be a lengthy one. Yes, <laughs> that could be that could be a, a genuine podcast. Actually, <laughs> top ten sporting fails. That could actually be very good. That that would be a fun one. Put that on the uh, let's put that on the back burner for this year. Maybe I'll have to come up with. Heard it here first. Absolutely, there's a preview for one. Let's move on to one of the marquee clubs of the competition. It is Sydney FC. We predicted them to finish second. They finished eighth and possibly the worst performance from Sydney FC, I think, in about 10 years. It wasn't a good year for the Sky Blues, was it? Um, The return of Adam LaFondra covered some cracks halfway through the season, but uh, a youthful squad, but also with an ageing back line, um, wasn't uh, enough to see them into the finals and... uh, Steve Corrigan has got some work to do in the new season. There's obviously now the issues with uh, Milos Ninkovic as well. It wasn't a good end to the season for the Sydney-based club who are used to being uh, right up there with the very best. Now, this has been coming for some time. And as you mentioned, this has been a team that has attempted some sort of renewal and they've not done a good job of it because they've held on to players who are quite possibly past their use by date and the transition of of players from their academy which it has to be said dom is probably the best academy going around in australia at the moment yeah absolutely they've got some quality um but they're not of age yet right and they will be soon but if we're talking about this year in particular um the mix of a very, very young youth and some very, very aging stars just didn't uh, formulate into anything positive for the um, Sky Blues. Is the Arnold era over? Should Steve Corica blow the team up and start again or should he go for a more measured transition? I think that's what he's trying to do though, isn't he? I mean, you uh, probably have more of the ins at the club than I do, Ball. But with the likes of, obviously, Milos Ninkovic looking to be pushed out, Kostas Barbarousas is being let go, along with Trent Bahaja, Mustafa Amini, who obviously had a pretty failed stint back in Australia. Michael Zulo's on his way. You know, he's definitely getting rid of uh, some Bobo has announced his retirement. Yeah, exactly right. So, look, I mean, he's definitely looking to start fresh, in my personal opinion, especially with the conversations that are obviously happening around Milos Ninkovic. 
Well, this is the this is the thing, and let's go to the two issues that they've got right now. First off, that youth program that they've done, Jimmy Van Weeren, we we've been singing the praises about what he's done with Sydney FC in NPL and in the Y League, and he's doing it again this year. But two, but three of his big name players are, are now on the verge of being announced as having left the club. Patrick Wood and Carl Neuenhoff, they're rumoured to be off to Perth Glory, while Harry van der Sarg looks like he's going to be going to Melbourne Victory. Yeah, and that's another thing as well. I, he's not just looking to get rid of youth. I mean, some age, he's looking to get rid of youth too. He's really looking to build his own team. And I think he needs to do that personally to prove himself because obviously the title he won will always be shadowed by the fact that he inherited that Graham Arnold squad and now he's having to deal with it um, sort of going um, past his use-by date. It's probably better that he just invests in a new squad and proves to you know football in Australia and the fans and the critics alike that he is a good manager and he can take Sydney FC to the top without having to you know live off other other successes. Let Let's talk about the the Ninkovic situation. He made the announcement on social media that he had played his last game. Sydney FC then came out and said Commons are negotiations are ongoing. He's then come out on social media and has acknowledged that he's made that comment in haste and that negotiations are ongoing. The rumor is is that he has asked for a three-year deal that will incorporate a transition into coaching at some point. Now, where how that three years would be shaped up would it would depend on whether it's going to be full playing or whether it's going to be one or one two years of playing and then transitioning into coaching. Is Milos's time up at Sydney or is there a future for him moving into a coaching role at some point? Well, I think it's only natural. I don't see why there should be any any issues um, for um, him in that particular progression. But there's obviously something not being agreed upon at the club currently. And... Uh, it needs to be resolved relatively quickly because, you know, he's a legend of the club, right? And they don't want to um, obviously get on his bad side as well as the fans' bad side. Oh, the fans love him. The fans absolutely love him. So the Sydney FC, we've given them a D minus. They, they were saved from an F by the return of Adam LaFondra, but – him, like Bobo and Ninkovic, he's starting to get long in the tooth as well, the former Wolverhampton striker. Well, again, you know, another piece of the puzzle that needs to either be, you know, slotted in or thrown back in the box because he can't continue to be Sydney FC saver every single season. Let's move on to the Wellington Phoenix. We predicted them to finish ninth. Of course, they are... Uh, they had been based out of Wollongong for the entire season. They've done it again. They've defied all expectations and finished sixth. <laughs> they keep they they must have been listening to the years of me absolutely rinsing them um, <laughs> as to why they even existed in the competition because they've been really strong since uh, the, uh, that and being over here in Australia, they've been really really impressive. And you know they're hoping, I suppose, next. Uh, yeah, they'll be able to get back into um, playing games in New Zealand consistently, week in, week out. Um, oh, at the cake tin. At the, at cake, the tin. cake tin. 
Yufik Talai has done a fabulous job over there um, and deserves a, a, all the all the plaudits. And, uh, you know, they didn't uh, get past their uh, finals opponent, but to even finish sixth with the squad that they have is truly exceptional. Now, their goal difference was massively blown out, but th- that could be drawn back to four particular games, two of them, Against uh, just going just going back over my my notes against the I think it was against the Jets yes it was against the new, the the Newcastle Jets where they had blowouts suffered against them towards the end of the year you take those games out and they actually end up in positive territory and it really does reflect how hard their job was to play away from home and not being able to play at Wellington until the very last game of the regular season. Yeah, crazy. I, I I don't know how they continue to do it. And it's their sacrifice that allows this competition to still go ahead. So, again, we raise our hats to them because it would be extremely, extremely difficult for everyone at that club involved to do that. And they're obviously banding together because of it and producing some great results the last couple of seasons. Now, the first announcement that has um, that has come through is Stephen Yugarkovic has confirmed he is going to Wellington from the Wanderers. That's a great signing for the Phoenix. Great signing for the Phoenix, as you mentioned, uh, um, Caruso. There's you know plenty of players on the move, and if they continue to keep making smart picks like this, there's no reason why they can't be um, a premiership favourite in the seasons to come. I gave them a B, maybe a touch generous, or you think warranted given what they have gone through? I think warranted because of what they've gone through. Had they not gone through that, I'd say a C plus, but I think a B is fair enough. We then move on to the Western Sydney Wanderers. We predicted predicted them to finish 11th. Tell you what, we weren't far off. They finished 10th. Yeah, they again struggled this year, uh, the Wanderers. um, You know, I actually... I'm sad that they're so poor. You know, they they really shouldn't be. And it really, really needs to be a better team. Like, why can't they get back to being... The competition was at its best when the Wanderers were, you know, playing the best football. And not only that, I know that they've obviously had some hindrances with their fan base being somewhat muted uh, by... Uh, the powers that be, but they just still haven't been able to produce anything good on the field for a, a number of seasons, and I and I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, it definitely wasn't their defence because they're they're one of only two teams not to concede four goals in a single game at any point during the season. It was a very decent defensive lineup headed up by Reese Williams, John Cotrombus, and everyone's favourite. Name um, sh- name share in Adama Traore. Yeah, um, and obviously we all loved seeing him go up against the other Adama Traore in the uh, All Stars match against Barcelona. Just oh, a they few both weeks scored back. as well. <laughs> exactly right, uh, which made it even more exciting. Um, look, they had some consistencies and some standout players, but uh, again, they just lacked. I don't know, a certain clinical approach to the way that they played these football matches. And without, uh, I would say, 
a bit more leadership in the squad, especially in around that midfield. Um, they just need, you know, some better. They just need to. I, don't know, I, I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm stuttering because I don't know what the answer is. I can tell you what my suggestion will be. They haven't. They haven't had a decent number nine since Tommy Urich, with the exception of maybe Mitch Duke. But I don't even know if Mitch Duke is a number nine. No, I don't think so either. I mean, uh, yeah, I think he is, but an interesting one, to say the least. Uh, yeah, if I had to pick between Mitch Duke and Tommy Urich, I'd be taking Urich every time. Exactly, yes. So I think that's their pro- part, part of their problem. They don't have a, they don't have a talisman up front, I, I think. It's the first issue. But you're right. There's no, there is no leadership in this team. Yeah, and I don't know uh, where they're going to find it. They have made some changes this year. They're the only other club to have announced the sacking of a manager during the course of the season. Carl Robinson got shown the door, and they brought in Mark Rudin, which is, I guess, some would say surprising. But for me, I think this is the perfect fit, and this is where Mark Rudin's career had been pointing to for years. Yep. I mean, he needed to you know, get his gig eventually, and he did. Um, and, uh, I mean, it didn't work out for him at the Western uh, United, uh, outfit, but I think potentially now being that he spent a lot of time in Sydney's West with, you know, Sydney, I think it was Sydney United, um, for a while and New South Wales, um, MPL, uh, I think this is one of the perfect appointments for this club. The other question is going to be around their transfers. Dimitri, Dimitri Petratos, Kajuri Ogawa are returning to their respective clubs at the end of their loan deals. They've lost Stephen Ogarkovic to the Wellington Phoenix. The, the, the burn has started. Bernie Yabini, Toma Hamed, Thomas Meas, and Ziggy Gordon all released. I gave them a D because they are just so consistent at being inconsistent. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, and sh- you know, shame with the signings as well. Like you would have thought that Bernie Abini and Thomas Samet in particular would have given them a bit of life up front, but it just didn't click and uh, they've been let go, uh, uh, rightly so. I wonder how Bernie Abini now feels knowing that Princess is now the better player in the family. <laughs> um, well, maybe he's always known that. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is true. We then move on to what can only be described as the biggest shock to come from the A-League this year, Western United. We predicted them to finish 10th, Dad's Army, well and truly, no. They finished third and they finished champions. Yeah, what an incredible season for um, the formerly known Dad's Army. John Aloisi in his uh, first season at the club takes them all the way to the big time and wins um puts a bit of uh respect on his name once again uh, as a coach and the way in which they did it you know they just played really aggressive high tempo football and you can't fault them in any way or shape or form well yeah you talk about that and you and you're quite right with it you look at some of the big name players that came that came through them they end up with the second best defense of the competition Leo Lacroix, an inspired signing. 
Jamie Young, most clean sheets, and then Alexander Priovic, who finished third for the Golden Boot with 10 goals. And what what you what you said is absolutely true. It was a very un like team in that this team didn't look for style, but played that that almost hyper-press up the field, something you would expect more from, say, a Jürgen Klopp or a Ralf Hasenhutl. Yeah, it it was, uh, as I mentioned, extremely high tempo. It was always played at 110%, similar to how the way that Aloisi played in uh, his um, playing days. Uh, they had, obviously... Um, lost their talisman and Sandro Diamante uh, earlier in the season, but replaced him brilliantly with Josh Risden uh, as the captain who excelled. And, you know, being able to, you know, produce the numbers like they did again, I thought Jamie Young in particular was somewhat robbed from being goalkeeper of the season. He had a monster season too. Um, You know, the signing of Alexander Pajovic was... Excellent as well. Uh, I tell you, there's just so much to like about this uh, football club and they've come a long way since coming into the A-League and they've done something that all the new teams haven't been able to do so far and that's actually win a title. A-plus, defied all expectations, deserved winners of the toilet seat. Well, I don't think you could go uh, much higher than an A-plus when you win the season. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, a quick mention of the New South Wales qualifications that are happening for the Australia Cup and we are coming up to the matchups for round seven. There is one match to be played that may be played by the time that we we go to this, which is the Northern Tigers due to play the winner of Sydney United and Hurstville City, City Minotaurs on form. You'd expect Sydney United to win that game, wouldn't you? Yes. Yes, you would. Um, yeah. I think that they are in a decent run of form and you'd think that they'd be able to get the job done. There have been some very big stories to come out of the Australia Cup. We love this competition. Absolutely love it. <laughs> we do. We do. The matchups going through the rest of the competition. First off, St. George City versus the fairy tale story, Wollongong United. St. George City's run fairly standard. They beat, they beat, they, they've been doing very well in, in FNSW1. They beat Sydney Olympic 4 2 on penalties after a finish 1 all. They beat Dulwich Hill 4 2. They beat the Blacktown Spuns, but. Wollongong United, how about this? They beat Peakhurst United 5-2, beat Southern Edelong 1-0. That's a, that's a long trip from Wollongong to Edelong. That, that, is, that is literally around the city, up the, to the Central Coast, down to Edelong Beach. You know, that's a, that's a long, long trip. They beat Central Coast United 3-0, and then get this, they beat Dunbar Rovers one two, and then have and then the big the the cup set so far, the ultimate cup set so far. They beat Blacktown City. Yeah, huge result, and you know it's great to see. And it's what we love about this competition is just uh, anything can happen. Anything can happen, and it usually does. The other matchups: Bonnie Rig White Eagles versus Hikoa Sydney City. Oh, this is going to get spicy. This one. Oh, this will get spicy. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not quite it's not quite Bonnie Rig versus Sydney United, but geez, this gets close. Yeah, it's it's not as close, but it'll be spicy nonetheless. Oh, good God, that's good. that's going to be one to watch. 
The other one to mention, the other team from our catchment, the Northwest Sydney Spirit, they're going to be going up against the Wollongong Wolves, and this will be an interesting matchup. It will be. The Spirit have had a indifferent start to the season in the Football New South Wales League One um, season, but the Wolves are sort of just plodding along in MPL as well. So um, it'll be it'll be tough to call, but you know you would be favouring obviously the uh, first division side in the Wolves to get the job done. And then whoever Northern Tigers play against, it, if it's Sydney United or Hurstville Sydney Minotaurs, you get the feeling that they're going to give them a good run for their money because Northern Tigers currently leading football in New South Wales won, and they're still on a high after absolutely trouncing Manly United 6-1. Yeah, well, Northern Tigers are the form team, uh, one of the one of the form teams in the MPL New South in the Football New South Wales League One competition. Um, they haven't obviously been in a great run of form in the last few weeks, but uh, they're in and amongst that mix to get promoted into the MPL next season. They come up against Sydney United, who, you know, are a stalwart of uh, football in New South Wales. It should be a tight game between both of them. Should be a cracking game. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on our wrap of the A-League for 2021-22. We will have a, a further podcast to come eventually where we will talk, I guess, more in depth about the trials and tribulations of the management of the FFA and the A-League itself. I want to thank Dom Rosetta for joining us. And certainly when we do that podcast, there will be some very tough questions asked. <laughs> I look forward to it, Caruso. Absolutely. This is full-time here on Splinter's the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, www.triplehfm.com.au and indeed all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run harder, run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.